What's going on, Beetle people? My name is Jonathan Priedis, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Ranking the Beatles. I'm your host on this goofy adventure. Uh, joining me here today, my illustrious, beautiful co-host, also my partner in crime, my wife, my sweet, sweet boo thing, Julia Priedis. How's it going, babe? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Thank you for joining me today. Are you excited for this? I am. I am super jazzed. We've been talking about doing this for a good hot minute um, since boredom kicked in during the quarantine, and I'm, we're, now we're finally here. It started out as really just a Facebook thing where I started out of boredom. I decided to rank 224 Beatles songs, and then I started posting Facebook posts every day, uh, releasing you know, or talking about a new song. And um, every day I would post something, the comments were just great. We had great discussions that just started popping up. Um, I'm a musician, and a lot of my friends are musicians, so it kind of just turned into this great thing where all of a sudden my evenings were spent commenting on this Facebook post. It's very spirited. Very spirited. Um, Made some enemies so far, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, (laughs) I, uh, at some point, somebody started twisting my arm a little bit and said, hey, you should consider doing this as a podcast. Um, I never thought I would do a podcast. Me neither. Didn't seem to be my thing. No. But here I am. And so uh, the basic gist of this idea is uh, I have ranked 224 Beatles songs. Uh, That is, those are the songs from all 12 studio albums. All the non-album singles and B-sides, as well as Free as a Bird and Real Love from the anthology, and a few other songs on anthology that were recorded with intent for an album, but never released. So my grand total, 224. That's the gist of it. These are So no, uh, no Sea of Holes? No Sea of Holes. We're not doing the George Martin instrumentals <laughs> from Yellow Submarine. <laughs> Or the American Hard Day's Night soundtrack. We're not going to do that. Got to draw the lines. But that would be a fun side episode at one point (laughs) for, like, the hardcore people. We're going to be doing this forever, aren't we? This is going to take 20 years. Um, I can loan you my copy of Off the Beatle Track by George Martin if you'd like. (laughs) Thank you. So now that everybody's up to speed, we're going to go ahead and dive into this, I guess. So our guest today is known as the drummer for Louisiana Music Hall of Fame rock and roll band Dash Rip Rock. Also the drummer for Emmy Award-winning band, The Imagination Movers, Children's Entertainers Extraordinaire. He's also the drummer in a band with me called Big in the 90s. That's a 90s cover band. So fun. Pretty cool. Uh, He also is the drummer for pop rock band Daphne Moon that have an album coming out later this year. He's also one of the biggest damn nerds I know. Everybody, please give it up for Mr. Kyle Melanson. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, Thank Kyle. Thank you. Kyle. Glad to, to have here. you here, man. Welcome. Maiden voyage. Yes, I uh, I couldn't think of anybody better to have on this uh, on this journey on number one. So let's get into it. I got a few questions for you to kind of let the people know who you are a little bit. How did you first hear, discover, or get into the Beatles? What was your first your first memory of that? My first. Beatle experience ever was through my dad, uh, who was a big fan of the Sgt. Pepper album. And so my first Beatle memory of any sort 
would be when I was very young and hearing uh, hearing my dad play Sgt. Pepper over and over and over uh, at home. And it's also just my first, not even Beatle, but just musical memory of anything that I heard that kind of stopped me in my tracks beyond just like, oh, that's a nice song on the radio or whatever. Something, something about this. What is this? I had to know more about it grabbed me yeah. in a way uh, that nothing else has really before or since and, and it hasn't let me go <laughs> to present day um, so that was the intro and then uh, like I'm sure a lot of us I kind of piecemealed the catalog together nowhere near chronic, chronological order or anything mm-hmm. after that through a series of birthdays and gifts from you know relatives and whatnot. what was the first Beatles record you ever got? The first Beatles record I ever got was Beatles Six. Okay, nice. From uh, from my grandmother on a birthday. Yeah, that's the first one I ever received. First album I bought with my own money ever was uh, Sergeant Pepper. Nice. Okay. Nice. Had to have it. Had yeah. to have it. I had already. I was like the one that I knew backwards and forwards that's interesting to me that your dad was into sergeant pepper because what i know of your dad he was kind of like kind of a gruff man's man and that doesn't strike me as like a man's man's album well so to speak it's it's weird because uh i found out in adulthood that for for a period there my dad was actually quite the hippie and uh he was hip and kind of a hippie with all that entails, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Sure. So, sure. Uh, Sar- Sar- Sergeant Pepper uh, probably spoke to him in a way that it's never even spoken to me. Um, <laughs> so, but he uh, he embraced it. Oddly, my my parents were both big Beatle fans, but my dad was like very much sixty-seven to seventy yeah. guy. And my mom was very much 62 to 66. Interesting. So, oh, I love that. <clears throat> I can totally see that. Yeah. I can totally see yeah. your mom being like, yeah, y'all know my really mom. Be- yeah. I love it. Oh, I liked them better when they were just so cute and such <laughs> handsome young men. And, so yeah. innocent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was, uh, side story about my mom when the Beatles played here in 1964, mm-hmm. she was, they used to have uh, elevator operators at the kind of major hotels around town, which are basically just teenagers, boys and or girls, you get in the elevator. I don't know why you wouldn't just push a button, but it was like a big <laughs> to-do to tell the elevator operator, like, third floor, please, Your ma'am. floor, madam. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, but my mom worked at the hotel where the Beatles stayed, huh. and they actually rode the elevator with her. That's and, wild. Uh, and she... <laughs> She had a uniform on with like a little hat with some feathers on it. And she's like, they kept making jokes about birds or something. I was like, <laughs> no, they were calling you a bird, Ma. Like they were saying you were hot. Did, what? No, they, they, just, they were saying. Did they, John try to pick like, up on your mom? They were like, bird, bird. I'm like, they were calling you a bird. <laughs> Why didn't you get it? But, uh, My yeah. dad could have literally been Ringo Starr. Exactly. <laughs> Life would have been so different. Oh, man, it would have been wild. <laughs> Kyle but, Starkey uh, on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. Yeah. Okay. That is, 
Yep. Pretty I love cool. It. As a as a musician, and you've been a professional musician for what thirty something years now. When 20, did you join Dash? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. How would you say, as a musician, how have the Beatles impacted your work? You know, from everything from the way you play to conceptually how you think of things to business. You know, what? How does that impact you as a as a musician? I mean, what way hasn't it? Um, it's hard to overstate the impact that the Beatles collectively, individually, in every way, have been influenced my life musically and otherwise. I guess specifically relating to music, um, I, 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 I wouldn't have ever played an instrument, I guarantee you that, uh, of any sort, mm-hmm. um, had I not heard the Beatles. Yeah. That, that, that put the bug in me that even before I knew drums specifically, I, I, I heard the Beatles and went, this, this is what I, I want to be involved in this somehow, some way, in some capacity. I have to be, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I, I just have to be. It, it, it took me in that much and, and affected me that profoundly. And then going forward, you know, as I became a professional musician, of course, Dash Rip Rock, you know, we were wild, rowdy, kind of, you know, punkabilly band or whatever you wanted to call us. But uh, guess whose band we still did cover versions of? Beatles song. you can attest to this as you travel and tour and meet other bands and other musicians the Beatles are the one band that it, it doesn't matter if you're playing with a grindcore band a ska band you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, a country band it's always it's the, the common one denominator band when, when you meet other dudes even if you have nothing in common or do deaths right <laughs> It just, it's like you meet people and you're like, well, we don't really have any common. The Beatles, though, it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course. You know? <laughs> right. You can always we find can always something find in the Beatles on that. to connect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my songwriting publishing company, I named it Milan Songs because like Harris George Harrison had Harris Songs. <laughs> um, oh, that, and then and everybody reads it as Milan Kongs. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, they do. It's a hard C. Uh, I should, I should have just made it Melon the regular Melian S O N. But I was convinced people would just figure it out. They're like, "Why well, is it Milan Kongs?" I'm like, "Oh God, people are dumb." Down dude. to and my my nerdiness with this extends down to when I was setting up my publishing uh, with our manager at the time. He's like, "Do you want you want BMI or ASCAP?" I was like, 
Who BMI. he was with, BMI. He's yeah. like, why? He's like, it doesn't really matter. I was like, it matters to me. I just want whatever the Beatles songs are published by. Mm-hmm. So stupid, but that's 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 my level of fandom and attention to detail. Yeah, on all this, and then you know Ringo. <laughs> it, it's hard to it's hard to put it into words. It really is. Performance wise, for you, you're much more of a Keith Moon type player visually. Correct. But and w- actually, honestly, stylistically, too. Uh, although Dash did not lend itself to me Keith Mooning out playing wise at all. But, but I've maintained I, all along. I think you, you know, maintain the, more of the the two and four than than Keith tended to do. You're more solid oh, on yes. the backbeat, which I think is part of the Ringo I, trait I, that I, you have. I, I can't fly away and Keith Moon it up with Dash Rip Rock. Yeah. The, the songs do not. They just don't lend themselves to that. You can't do it. But no, Keith made me want to play the drums, but uh, the Beatles made me want to play music, period. Yeah. No Beatles. There, there wouldn't be anything else after that. All right, man. Well, let's get down to brass tacks. The reason that we are here today, let's rank some stuff. Okay. I feel like this is a, a watershed moment. Kyle, would you please give me some semblance of a drum roll? <laughs> Coming in at number 224 and 223, Sleep Dick and Come Give Me Deine Hand. That's, the, that's it. That is where we're starting on this list at the bottom of this list. The two German singles released by the Beatles. January of 64, the Beatles are in Paris. They go into a studio to record German versions of She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. They didn't go there to do that. Well, they went to do... They went there to do Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. But EMI said, we think this is going to sell better in Germany if you do this in German. So they took the master track of I Want to Hold Your Hand, redid the vocals. They did not have the master track of She Loves You anymore. No master track of She Loves You. So they re-recorded that track as close as they could. And did a whole new version of that. Who loses a Beatles they, master? Well, at that point, you have one job. There's no, there's, they there's no uh, love yet. me do master. There's no for Fair. me to you master. Yeah, they didn't. EMI just didn't save masters back then. The whole it wasn't a thing. The whole don't throw away anything Beatles related rule like was not in effect yet. Mm. There's this, <laughs> we're still. I think we're like six months from that though. That's fair. That's fair. So they go into the studio and they record these songs. They have a translator, a guy, uh, Camillo Felgen, I'm probably not pronouncing that correct at all, uh, <laughs> is the translator of these songs. Wait, Falco did the translation? <laughs> <laughs> Shortly before Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> now, there was actually two attempts at translations done previously that the Beatles turned down. Wow. I, I didn't know this until recently. I didn't know, I didn't apparently know that Apparently, they were not happy with them, and they had them redone. A lot of cloudiness around this session, so there's some holes in the story. But um, this is also one of the few songs, I think actually maybe the only two songs to have co-writers outside of the Beatles. Did you know that? They gave the translator a credit? They are credited to Lennon McCartney, John Nicholas... Lee Montague and Heinz Helmer. Now, oh my god. Now, Lee Montague was That's wild. Lee Montague was the the pen name for a Lawrence Yaskiel who was an encyclopedia salesman 
and Sunday school teacher who somehow ended up working at Dutch Vogue and worked his way into the record industry. Like, uh, like you do. As, as one does. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the path. I totally missed powers? that. Yeah. And, How wild were the 60s? And Good so Lord. they didn't use Lee Montague's trans- translation, but still, but they got, still, gave him still got the, the, still got the co-write on Sleepdeek. And then Heinz oh, Helmer had done a translation for Come Give Me Dine Hand. Now, Heinz Helmer is interesting because there's only kind of hearsay about who Heinz Helmer is. There's not a ton of, like, real data. But it's believed to be Monique Falk, who was a European lyricist. Hmm. Yeah. What so, about the guy that actually did the translation? He didn't get a writing credit? That is, that is Camillo Felgen, who used a, also used a nom de plume as... Gene Nicholas. So they pass on these two translations originally and use this one. Not quite sure why. They record these two songs. It's very much a niche market. This is like not intended for everyone. Obviously, it's for the German market. Um, they come out as German only singles. I think they were also released in Australia and didn't chart because it's. They released in America it, and actually charted. Yep. Swan released That's in America. That's how powerful Beatlemania was. Yep. German language songs charted in America. Yep. So, you know, they, they kind of come and go because they're a sales novelty at the time. They make their reappearance officially in the future on the Past Masters collection. Uh, that's where I heard them for the first time. My, so my thoughts, here's why I put them so low, right? The first time I heard it, I was super interested. Oh my God, these two songs in German, what is this all about? I heard it, and then I was kind of like, okay, I'm good. I don't really need <laughs> to hear that. it again. <laughs> I listened to it. It really had no replay value for me. Maybe because I don't speak German, I don't know. Um, I just never felt the need to like say, you know, if I'm putting on... If I'm like, oh, what do I want to listen to? That's never the song I choose to start my shuffle off of. What, whatever interest these songs have, and honestly, it's considerable from an interest standpoint and from a historical context, it's not supported by actually listening to it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's more fun to read about and research than it is to actually listen to. Sure. Um, it's, it is kind of neat that uh, there was actually a time, you know, where truly everything's kind of a global market musically now. Right. Uh, but in 1964, the reason this even came about is because the German uh, branch of EMI were convinced that German record buyers would not purchase non-German sung Correct. songs. Correct. No matter how much noise the Beatles were making, no matter that they actually had built up a nice little following anyway for a couple of years playing in Hamburg, they were they were just like, if you want to break this band here, they're going to have to sing in German. And it's interesting because uh, other artists were yeah. also doing songs in Italian and Spanish. And I thought it was interesting that perceptively, I don't see that this is a trend that continues now because we're definitely in a globalized society now. Right. Um, but it really continued through the 70s and 80s. And there's so many things that I found that other artists have done in different languages. Um, the Beach Boys did a German version of In My Room. Which yes. Did not know weird. about that till today. Didn't know about it till today. <laughs> um, Bowie which is even did, sadder than the, than the original. Right, because the translation oh, is Ganz Alien 
which translates to all alone. like so sad um, Get wrecked. <laughs> Bowie did uh did heroes and space oddity uh in mm. Italian Nilsson I have heard those Harry Nilsson did his cover of you can't do that in Italian That. Which is bonkers. That's yeah, wild. It's cool. He also did Without You in Spanish. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I kind of learned about this, because I was wondering, you know, why is this market trend not continued into the future? One, because right. we're in a globalized society now, but also, so historically, the U.S. does not like foreign language entertainment. You're forgetting about Christina Aguilera's Mi Reflejo. <laughs> the good okay there you go the number of foreign language songs or films that have been successful in american charts are very small um and there's only a couple yeah 99 red balloons comes to mind uh sukiyaki comes to mind uh what else actually sukiyaki even got translated to english what am i talking about <laughs> it's originally a japanese song and the only, to my knowledge, number one by a Japanese artist ever on right. Billboard. Yeah, and one of the funny things I think also about these two songs is the translations to them are so different than what the actual English lyrics are. Right. Like, as, a, as example, I would like to read to you and to all our beautiful listeners here the translation oh of the lyrics of Come Give Me Deine Hand. Oh, come on, come to me. You take my mind away. Oh, come on. Come to me. Come give me your hand. The second verse. The second verse is where it gets real good. Oh, you are so beautiful. As beautiful as a diamond. I want to go with you. Come give me your hand. I kind of like I kind of like that one. And, and then that bridge. That bridge. I am happy and glad in your arms. There has never been with anyone else. One wow. time, one time, one time. Wow. It's kind of like the Fugees. <laughs> it's kind of neat, though. <laughs> right. And then... Why can't John? Right. Um, and then she loves no, you. No, they, they, they really distill it to its very bare essence, don't so they? They, like it's... they made these acquiesces to the phonetics to make the syllable counts the same, to make everything fit into how it should have and didn't That's how it was sung say, originally. Sometimes so, what scans well and sings well is very sounds different. ludicrous. Correct. You know, written out. Uh, would you like to hear C. Leapdeek translation? Oh, you know I do. I'm only going to do a little bit because it's, it's a lot. You think she only loves me? Yesterday I saw her. She only thinks of you and you should go to her. Oh, yes, she loves you and it can't be any nicer. Yes, she loves you. <laughs> And you should be glad. Wow. So now you see, I, I knew she loves you would be a weird one, only because of how 
tense is treated in every language except English. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, in English, it's referencing a third party situation. Right. I I knew that would, I'm sure every other language is like, wait, what? What what is this? (laughs) Because I guess in Spanish or even German or whatever, it would be loves you, she. Loves you, she does, right? Oh, yeah. I think so. Generally, they put the verb before. It's very Yoda. Subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I find this whole period interesting. Um, it is. You know, and the other thing I, I started thinking about was because, as you mentioned, they had such a history in Germany. Oh, yeah. And, deep, deep you know, they... Roots. Two years of shows there, you know, of seven-hour sets, basically. Um, and then there's a four year gap before they return between 62 and 66 when they return they went to Munich. This is not necessarily a definite claim, but there are stories that they did not go back there for so long due to an outstanding paternity claim. That's actually, well, I don't know if it is true. The rumor is that I feel like that's alert. scandal alert. I feel like that's. Just kind of almost accepted now. Somebody whether, was paid off. Whether the claim was actually true or not, sure. I think it that is real. I think it did exist. Yeah, people are still buying the records despite the German availability. Let's not discount the influence uh, of Brahm and Epstein here, which he did have a way of twisting their arms to make them do plenty sure, of things sure. they literally did not want to do. Yeah. Such was their belief that whatever he, you know, whatever you say, Bri, taking care of his boys. I guess I guess you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, God knows what we wouldn't have to even talk about had not Brian Epstein stepped in and and you know made them do it. Yeah, and I mean for for any perceived mistakes he may have made along the way, sure. You know, God knows the. It's a, a lesser manager may have, it may or not a lesser, but maybe a more professional manager may have just squeezed them for every penny they could, he could over the course of three years, and then oh yeah, you know absolutely, just, you know run it dry, <clears throat> run the whole ship I mean, aground. What he what he hurt them with naivete wise, he uh, he he paid them back in spades with his protection of them, uh, and you know the care in which he guided their careers. And once he's gone, that's when all the outside influences oh, yeah. start to creep Absolutely. in and Absolutely. start to rot the fruit a little bit. When they were managing themselves, right. they didn't know what they were doing. It no. was a disaster. Um, but to bring it back to Beatle-related, I-, I just thought of this. World markets must have at least, at least been in Paul's head because the single biggest worldwide hit of any non-Beatle act that was in the Beatles orbit was those were the days by Mary Hopkins and Paul, Paul actually made sure that he recorded. And I, I have the Apple years box. There has to be 
10 versions on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, German, um, French. I, I mean, that. I mean, <laughs> they made Which, sure. It's, it's so interesting for something that he was so against his own band doing. Right. As a when he's running a label, he sees the value to right. it. You know, when he's a businessman, he's like, wait a minute. This is just such kind of a general, you know, sentiment lyrically. If we did this in the languages of the world, I can make this huge. So yeah. he had and, them and they do did. the same song in 10 different languages? Yep. That's fascinating. For each at, different market. Yeah. Least, wow. I mean, yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to tell me that Paul <laughs> McCartney of the Beatles is a shrewd business person? <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that? You're going to sit there and tell me <laughs> that Paul McCartney, who owns Buddy Holly's catalog, who owns Happy Goddamn Birthday. Mm. Yeah. Shrewd man. So, okay, let's 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 go, let's go back to circle here. Back to full circle. What's your what's your preferred? Sleepdeek or come give me your deine Hand? My apologies uh, to any German listeners for my probably <laughs> terrible German pronunciation. Um I will give the slight edge to Sleepdeek only only because it is a unique take. Yes. Uh in other words, Come Give Me a Dine a Hand is just the track we all know and love with different vocals. Uh Dick isn't it's it's a different take, different everything, different vocal. It it's is probably the closest you'll get well, probably the closest we'll ever get to hearing what that sounded like live on stage. Right. Because one of the main differences is Lennon's Without on his, screaming. Well and Lennon's <laughs> on his Rickenbacker versus on his acoustic. Which right. he's on his Gibson acoustic on the on the regular version, right? Um, so this is literally you know several months of stage work, you know this is what it sounds like in the cusp of those live concerts in a studio right. environment, and I think that gives it the slight edge. I mean, having said that, they they, you know, they were total pros, and this was a contractual obligation that they, you know, completed with minimal fuss, uh, even though they didn't like it, they sang well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they send the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to them there. I would also imagine that foreign language teachers everywhere rejoice every time <laughs> a popular song is recorded in a different language. Something for, something for these young whippersnappers to yes, learn. Yes, yes. The hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it makes, you know, learning a subject matter easily, like easier to relate to. Sure. You know, when, you know, if it's, an English speaking class learning German, right. you can say like, here's an example. Like, you know, this song, they're saying the same thing just in this other language and spot on. Love it. Do you remember? It's definitely a, a bygone product. Now when artists would do kind of localized radio cuts of things. Oh yeah. One of the ones I remember was, um, <laughs> this is probably the first time, only time Sir Mix-a-Lot will be referenced in a Beatles podcast. Uh, <laughs> The follow-up to, to Baby this. Got Back was um, was Jump On It. What's up, Dallas? What's up? What's up, Dallas? What's up, Dallas? Jump on it. Jump on it. Jump on it. What's up, San Antonio? And he did a version that was Louisiana-centric. 
and uh, I think referenced like he like would cut in different radio stations. So there was one yeah. that was like B ninety seven centric, and it'd be like, "What's up, Homer? What's up? What's up, Gretna? What's up, Metairie? Jump on it! Jump on it!" I swear, and like I, I thought that was like, man, he wrote a song about Louisiana cities. Holy cow, that's great! But there's one about right. Houston and one about every other right. state, you know. What's up, Tacoma? There, What's yes. Up? <laughs> What's up, Yakima? It's connected. <laughs> so good. Who keeps me? Who keeps me? <laughs> All right, my man. Well, let's do, if you're a game for it, let's do some rapid fire questions. Okay. Top five Beatles songs, five to one. Go. Oh, my God. You did not prep me for this. <laughs> hmm. ah, I got to put some more thought into that. Oh, my right. God. Okay. okay, we'll change it. Top two. Ooh. What are your top two? Top two. I'll have you back. We'll do top five. We'll flesh it out. Um, top two. See, this would be my favorite, right? Because I, I can, in my mind, kind of logically separate best from just what I yeah, I just want to know like that's, what I listen to, and that's most. the whole purpose of the podcast. Is <clears throat> I'm not saying I'm not saying best. I'm saying right. my favorites. I want you. She's so heavy. That's number one. That's number one. Bold. I like uh, it. A bold and there choice, is, Cotton. There is just something about that track. They never really played like that Mm-mm. ever, yeah. ever. Uh, I mean, you know, I've heard the outtakes. The Beatles are not really known for jamming. They're not a jam band. No, not really their thing, but they captured something on that. And, and the early unreleased takes that just came out on the Abbey road box are every time they ran through that, they absolutely smoked it. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it was just so weird. And like, he's, only singing I want you there's no other lyrics <laughs> like they, they just seem to really be into it mm-hmm. and it startled me when I first heard it when I was 12 or whatever and it startles me now oh, that's great that's and then such a great two, number and, one uh, because I think like even though you said like the lyrics are so simple the music behind it is so powerful just that I just the guitar track alone on that song is just it's like grinding and powerful and mm-hmm. just it, like it didn't even need word, you know, just like, yes, it's such a good track. Like that's such, I don't think I've ever expected to hear anyone say that that's their number one, but I'm super pumped that you did. (laughs) Yeah. Just the ending little set of triplets on guitar. Like there's nothing with the exception of Paul McCartney's outstanding bass playing, maybe the best he ever played on any record. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just that ending series of, just triplets, 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 ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding. Uh, there's something hypnotic. It's hypnotic, it. yeah. And then the way it ends with just sounding like someone kicked the plug out of your stereo. <laughs> like right right when you're kind of getting in the zone with it and all zen, like, oh, God, I hope this goes forever. It's so jarring. I don't know. I, yep. I, I love everything about it. And then uh, the number Beatles two giveth for and me, the Beatles taketh away. They do. <laughs> they do. Oh, I like weird. that. Mm. And then number two for me, Tomorrow Never Knows. Nice. Okay. Uh, I feel you on that. I'm, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with the weirder, yeah. more offbeat uh, areas of the catalog. Sure. Uh, I guess we can get into this another time, but a song that I would have extremely low that if I did my own list would probably get me unfriended and cause a lot of 
very bad fights. Uh, I don't know. We could save it for another time. I don't, I don't even want to say it here, but uh, <laughs> we could cut it. It's fine. All you need, all, all, all you need is love. Yeah. I, I hate all you need is love. <laughs> Great. I hate it. Great. I hate it. for hate mail. Man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I've never liked it. Yikes. Never liked it. Okay, okay. Never liked it. Well, that leads me to my second rapid-fire question, which that first rapid-fire question was pretty unrapid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> least favorite. I guess you've already given it to us. All you need is love. Uh, I don't know if it's bottom two material, but it, it most certainly is far lower than almost anyone else I know would have it. Um, for me, bottom two, and this is aside from these songs, right, which I feel like almost have to be sure. bottom two for everyone. Yeah. Um, Mr. Moonlight <laughs> is not a good, yeah. it's not a good song. It's a swing um, and a miss. The first 10 seconds of it. Great. Maybe my favorite Lennon vocal ever. So it's sad that I have to then <laughs> plummet it all the way down <laughs> the list for the abomination that follows. But, uh, Valid. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's really not good at all. Favorite album? Um, white album. White album. Least favorite album? Actually, believe it or not, it's, it's, well, I guess Yellow Submarine soundtrack. Does that count? The original or the, the, re- not the song the track, the original soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. The side two, yeah, that, no, the that's in there. Yeah. Of, uh, Sure. Only because pleasant the though the score is on the second side, I just you know what I mean. I just it's not want what those, you're going for. Yeah, those side one songs. Um, I'm with you. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad about your opinions. Well, I just <laughs> when, when saying worse with Beatles, it's all Jonathan subjective. Does, and this and is Jonathan the, does this every pose. Disclaimer: like, Also, I don't I'm like I hate feel any of these. Songs. Every pose, he, I, I don't think like any of these songs are like, are intrinsically like, bad. Again, Right. Yeah. But there every is nothing post is bad hilarious. Here. Yeah. Because you keep saying, I've willingly again, purchased this song no in multiple bad formats. songs, <laughs> but I have to rank them. <laughs> uh, most overrated song. All You Need Is Love. Most underrated song. Ooh. Every Little Thing Doesn't Get Enough Love. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a great one. I feel one. like there's a lot going on in that and was even more advanced than they were at the time. Mm hmm. And people don't seem to rate it, really. I-, I love it. I love it. Favorite Beatle movie? Again, let's not confuse this with best. Um, yes. But uh, growing up, it, it was easy, hard day's night. But uh, again, as I get older, I, I like weird. And uh, man, help, just for whatever reason, seems to have more replay value for yeah. me. Even though it's, it's a beautiful film too. Of, of, of plots, the plot it's is shot inconsequential. So beautifully. It, 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 the it's plot nice, is inconsequential. It's, nice. it's a yeah. beautifully shot film. When the Blu-ray came out um, a couple of years ago, and I got it, I was astonished. I mean, I had only had my VHS copy for years, and uh, it looked pretty bad. But to see the color and just how beautifully everything was shot, mm-hmm. and you can. In the Blu-ray, also see even more clearly 
just how gacked they were. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You can see the, vein, oh. the blood vessels in their eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you mean to tell so me? <laughs> you going to sit there and tell me. Wait a minute. You're not saying. Hold the phone. Uh, yeah. Did the Beatles? Do I thought they were wholesome that? like Liberace. <laughs> I like classy artists like Liberace. <laughs> Farmer Kyle, this has been a great, uh, a great chat. Thank you for doing this oh, with us. I really, welcome. really appreciate it. I hope you've had fun with it. I did. Hope you'll return to the podcast. Yep. Excellent. We uh, we will definitely be having you back in the future. So think long and hard about more of these uh yeah i'm personally very grateful to have kyle as a friend because jonathan can talk to you about all of these things and he doesn't have to talk to me about them (laughs) (laughs) so thank you thank you for my sanity (laughs) i appreciate you in a very unique way (laughs) kyle malonson my beatles wife thank you so much (laughs) kyle it's been a pleasure my friend as 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 well over here i can't remember the last time i've had this much fun all right, Kama Lonson, everybody. Dropping some some real food for thought, some real knowledge yeah, on things. I, 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 I knew he would come with nothing but the goods. Of course. It was great. So there we have it, y'all. <clears throat> Number 224 and 223. I hope you guys agree with me. I hope you disagree with me. I want to know what you think. Do you think I'm a big dummy? Do you think I should throw this podcast in the trash can? Shoot me a message. Ranking the Beatles at Gmail. Also, uh, Facebook, Ranking the Beatles, all one word, uh, if you type it in to the domain address. Uh, And Instagram, at Ranking the Beatles. Shoot me a line. Let me know what you think. Let me know if there's someone you'd like to hear me have these conversations with. Um, I would love to do that, too. And, uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Julia, thank you so much for being here for this. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. I I learned about... You slogged through. I did. No, that was like really interesting to learn about EMI wanting them to do the songs, even though they were doing really well in Germany. Now I want to go find all these different acts that have done songs in German. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to expand our our catalog of... International languages. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Oh, let's find some French. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. We need some more French music in our lives. I'm a fan. Okay. Let's do it. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in for episode one of Ranking the Beatles. This has been a whole lot of fun. Uh, We'll drop another episode next week, so hit that subscribe button. Uh, My name is Jonathan. My co-host is... Julia. And we will see you next time on Ranking the Beatles. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.